Hello, and welcome to the Confessions of a Reluctant Caregiver show. We're happy you're here. On the show, we're certain that you'll relate to the caregiver stories and find comfort with your honorary sisters. Before we start, I want to remind you to go to our website, confessionsofareluctantcaregiver.com, and sign up for our newsletter. We'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Twitter, and YouTube. We're sharing tons of useful information that you can use as well as chat with our followers. Now let's jump right into today's confession. Hey, Jay. Hey, Natalie. Hey, Miss Emmy. Hey, Natalie. You know, you know what's better than having one confession on an I, episode? I don't know. What, what could it be, Emily? It's when you have two. <laughs> Oh my gosh, we are so fortunate today that we not have we not only have one uh one of the brothers from the Marchetti family, we have both. It's true. Oh and these young men, we must say, they I'm gonna get you guys right now. Young men, you need you're to gonna get on YouTube. YouTube. You know? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, this is, we'll have like Jay, we're gonna have the best, like the most views on this episode this on one. YouTube. <laughs> be like, I'm going to see these guys. Not only are they smart, they happen to be quite the caregiver. Yeah, they do. They do. Somewhere different. So So, (laughs) tell us about the guys. Tell us about Chris and Anthony. Okay. So we are called the Elliot sisters. I'm thinking maybe they're called the Marchetti brothers. I bet they are. So uh, these young men were born and raised in New Jersey. They both still live in New Jersey as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like the sisters, there are definitely some differences. So we're going to start with Chris because why? He is the oldest. oldest. (laughs) So at 30, like I said, Chris lives in New Jersey and he works in Manhattan for Goldman Sachs. Now his life is filled with, get ready guys, he's really busy. Movies, outdoor adventures, concerts, playing the guitar, history, and he binges on museums, which I love that, Chris. Mm. We're like, you know, I'm coming to see I feel like the dating game music in the background. I know. Don't say that. I got to get through them. What's the subject here? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Your mom tricked us. She's tricked you. So, but Chris has four immutable truths that he says will remain forever true in his life. And the greatest of things is family and friends, which I Mm. love. Uh, He figured that out at an early age. So I appreciate that, Chris. So then of course there's Anthony the baby. The baby. Oh. <laughs> I feel you, Anthony. Beauty. It's always the baby. I know. That was good. That was good. <laughs> so, you'd, be, you'd be shocked how many people think Anthony's the older one. Oh. oh. The out. oh they always think Emily's the oldest, so I'm okay with that. That's a yeah, good right? thing, Anthony. <laughs> so at uh, at 26, uh, Anthony lives in Hoboken, and as uh, he's in New Jersey as well, and he works in software sales at Salesforce in New York City. For fun, you'll find him at concerts too, probably with his brother. In any weather, the beach in the summer and the ski slopes in the winter. And the same pastime he shares with his brother, spending time with family and friends. Now, let's talk about caregiving. Throughout their lives, they've been caregivers, starting with uh, when Anthony was in the eighth grade. That's when Dolores, their grandmother, moved in. And Chris describes Dolores as always selfless with her time, even as she's had Parkinson's and it's progressed. But she was never comfortable getting help. As her needs have increased and these brothers moved out and into their careers and their own lives as adults, one thing has remained constant. The family 
works together to support each other in caregiving, which is amazing. Mm. We have seen it in action. We are so happy to have you guys oh, here. Oh, yes. So we're Welcome. not going to talk anymore. Shh. We're not Thanks allowed to talk. <laughs> happy to be here. Oh, these guys are so wonderful. So the Marchetti brothers, fantastic. You guys were active. You have like we think you have fantastic parents. We'll go oh yeah, we're totally that. biased. Like we want them to adopt us as well, but they're gonna. Doreen's gonna say, "I'm too young for you to adopt." That's true. Me. That's true. <laughs> so you guys, Anthony, you're in the eighth grade. Chris, you're in high school, and your grandmother has lived at. You guys, uh, I'll just kind of add. Your grandmother has been in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and you guys have gone back and forth. How long have you known that she's had Parkinson's? How long have you guys been experiencing that? I mean, she had a really slow degradation. So mm-hmm. I think she had begun having problems basically as early as our memory, yeah. um, but completely functional for many of those years. So we were traveling to Pittsburgh three, four times a year. Yeah. Um, in addition to our grandmother, our great grandparents were there, our uncle and aunt were there. So lots of roots in Pittsburgh. Um, and grandma lived alone, did all the cooking, all the managing also was a full-time caregiver to her parents. Mm. Um, but really slowly the the disease kind of kicked in uh, and it was only you know to your point when I was in high school and Anthony was in middle school that uh, we finally kind of forced her hand and made her come live with us in New Jersey reluctantly so was, I will add yeah she didn't want to come <laughs> did she no not not absolutely yet. not um, I don't think it was no. you guys that she didn't want to be with well <laughs> maybe. I mean, maybe your boys. I mean I'm not gonna lie no, to it you. was it was definitely her daughter uh, yeah. <laughs> you know the, the will is strong in Doreen and she gets it honest they're, yeah. they're virtually the same person which is the thing about Shifano's that which is our mom's last name Shifano's mm-hmm. would never admit that they're all the same but they're all the same. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> yes. out. So I guess for me, I'm like, okay, Chris, you're in high school. Anthony, you're in eighth grade. You guys are active in sports and everything. And then grandma's coming to live with you. So wait, what's the- wait, did Doreen and, and Mike, your mom and dad, did they sit down and y'all have like a family yeah. conversation? Like we're moving grandma in and we're probably going to take her hostage to do it. Anything like that. <laughs> I think it was kind of like in the plan though, as well. Like we had added onto our house, like added a room and like a whole downstairs element. So I think it was kind of in the works a little bit because as Chris mentioned, her health was kind of degrading over time. Like, um, and then, you know, something happened in Pittsburgh, you know, an accident kind of just like, uh, sparked it. And it was just like, Hey guys, like grandma's gonna be moving in with us. Um, you know, some changes, but yeah, we were pretty open to it. It was never like a problem or anything. Yeah. Yeah. The other interesting aspect is caregivers is when she came, she was more or less self-sufficient. Yeah. Um, yeah. So walking, you know, moving, cooking, et cetera, uh, with a kitchenette downstairs. And so basically able to do her own thing and really driving was the only thing removed from her lifestyle at that point. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, from there to now, you know, basically a degradation of bodily functions and capabilities yeah. and everything. <laughs> so just very different dynamic all those years ago than now. Did either of you guys live in the bougie basement? Because I, when we came to visit your family, Jason and I stayed in said bougie basement. It's awesome. It's like a full mother-in-law suite downstairs. And there was, I'm not saying we played pool table on the pool table, but you know, there's, there's a full game room. It's awesome downstairs, but it's a split level house too. 
that's the other important is a split love. There's a lot of stairs. <laughs> and we'll get to that in the in the I am <laughs> sure we will talk about our mother and our grandmother's stubbornness and resistance to change. Mm-hmm. We are the same. Uh Anthony's bedroom <laughs> was fully decorated in Steelers paraphernalia from ceiling to floor. So there's no way he was <laughs> given up. Up, up until room. this year, by the way. There's no way he was leaving that room. And I had all my <laughs> kind of trinkets and set up and habits and drawers I liked. So also no way I was moving. <laughs> oh, so I love that. And <laughs> I didn't we, we are, we are an anti-change family. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You know, and that's so, it's such an oxymoron considering the biggest change is your grandmother coming in. So big time. Big and time. then it's like, okay, so, Jay, go ahead. So, I, I mean, I know our relationship with our grandmother. I mean, we were, she was cool. We went on vacation with her and we did all this. So how is that? Cause you're guys, yeah. you know, you're cool. Always. I mean, I think you're cool, you know, yeah. Chris, and, and I think you guys are cool. So how does that work? Cause your, your grandmother's, you know, there, but she also, do you, does she become part of your life? Like, is she going places with you or how's that working? I would say one thing is grandma has always been very introverted. Um, like she really wasn't much for like the social scene when she was living on her own and she was very independent. Mm-hmm. So like having her there, like was nice because we, I think connected a little bit more. Um, but when it comes to like, would she come out with us and would she go to like all of our games and all of our sports? Mm-hmm. Um, she really didn't. Uh, and it's because I think like, she's always kind of been almost afraid of the social spotlight, mm-hmm. um, which is too bad. Uh, cause she is, you know, a really wonderful person to talk to when you get to know her, but, um, yeah, she was very independent. So that aspect of our life didn't really change much, even with her at home. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. But I know she cooks. Yeah, she does. That's, that's for <laughs> sure. Like, she's a she's a heck of a baker too. I think that's where uh, mom. Yeah, she definitely surpassed I think everyone in the family in baking. That's where she uh, was. A, was the queen. <laughs> that is a skill set. Uh, we did have pies when we were there. Um, <laughs> so, not that we liked food or anything, but Doreen doesn't. You don't leave home from the Marchetti home. Um, so are hungry. So. So, okay. So as you guys are getting older, I've, I saw a couple of photos with your friends. Like you guys are, are they have their setup is very much uh, kind of the way that Doreen talked about us is your home kind of like gravitated. All the kids or your friends gravitated into your home. And how was that? Because I saw the one photo with you guys and it looked like a bunch of your friends are surrounding you know, uh, Dolores, like, is she having, is she, it, it's almost like a little bit of forced socialization there for her. So yeah, you bring so the party to her. Yeah. So we're, we're a very social family and our house was definitely one of the epicenters for, uh, <laughs> childhood gatherings. Um, mm-hmm. so our house was constantly filled with people and the, the basement den area was, you know, kind of a, a primary hangout. And that, as you know, from being there is connected to, uh, grandma's residency. Um, so, so she was kind of always present down there. Um, so my, my, all of our friends, both of our friends, uh, groups of friends got to know grandma very, very well. Cause she was just very present in their lives too, just as a result of, of being nearby. Um, luckily she, uh, she must be hard of hearing because we were, we were up pretty darn late down there never heard a peep from her. Um, but, but yes, yeah, so as our friends, you know, as our friends would be over constantly, they would just have all this engagement and time with her. And particularly as her, you know, as her mental state and capabilities, you know, degraded and we were kind of taking a more active role in everything, you know, moving her around and everything, all of our friends kind of got in on that as well and know her quite well. So, uh, yeah, our, our, our friends have been really tremendous with her. Mm. You know, I think about a photo because Emily has two boys, 
Natalie and I have dogs. Emily has all the kids, <laughs> but she has two yeah. sons. And I think about when the boys would walk to our mom's house uh, from like middle school and they took their friends. There's a photo, Em, I think of like. There is. It was mom's birthday, I believe. And all the boys would come over with her. I also have a daughter. Um, and the oldest one is 22. And then the twins are 20. So they would, all their friends would come over and grandmama was always baking something. There was always food to be had. So, and they just got used to it. Let's go over, let's go over to Owen and Max's grandmama's house. And they had a blast. Well, you know, I feel like that also probably benefited your friends though, because it it seems like I'm not just us knowing Parkinson's the way we do. A lot of people are afraid of it. And it just, for your house, it was like, you know. It's just kind of commonplace and we just deal with it because that's how I feel like you guys are. You just deal with it. it. Do you feel like that's what it's done to your lives? Like you seem like you just, it's a, it's not a problem. You just approach things differently. Yeah. I think, it, yeah, yeah, I, go ahead. Anthony. Go for it. <laughs> I would say, yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, our family just always kind of been that way. Like, you know, as challenges arise, we'll just deal with them and kind of take those hurdles on head on um, and agree. Like Parkinson's was something that growing up, like we didn't know anything about either, even though grandma had it, but she was so far away in Pittsburgh, right? So we didn't know like what it was doing maybe on a day-to-day side of things. And as it developed, like it is a scary element, but it's something like we've been asked before, like knowing that it is genetic is something that we're afraid of. And my response has always been, Hey, if it comes, it comes and I'll deal with it then. And just knowing that that's kind of like our mentality as a family there. Shout out to our parents who were just uh, pretty strong-willed and and durable people uh, on my mom's side. <laughs> like like you know the the Pittsburgh blood is is pretty blue collar and exceedingly stubborn. So you know they just kind of roll. They don't even roll with the punches. They kind of punch back at the punches. Is sort of how they do it out there. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, our dads, uh, as you know, a much more tolerant and tame soul, but but also quite stoic. <laughs> I mean, guys had cancer three times and would never even, would never even mention it. Um, so just, they, I think the two sides of family approach it from different ways, but have always sort of just been game to, uh, to take it as it comes. So that is interesting that now you've kind of tossed that out there. Oh, by the way, we're taking care of Dolores. She's in the house, but you are caregivers in another sense, because you also have your dad who, like you said, has had these bouts with cancer and you have your mom caring for him. Your mom, they, your whole family works. You know, it's not like somebody stays at home and cares for someone 24 seven, but tell us about that. How, where, what's the time frame there, Chris, Anthony, and how is that impacting your lives. Like that's important. Yeah. So he was diagnosed first time around the same time as grandma coming, um, a little earlier. I was in high school and he was in middle school. Um, but, uh, but frankly, credit to them, it really wasn't an impact on our lives in any really material way, just because I, I think dad's preference was to tough it out. Um, so, so, you know, from a caregiving perspective, really all it meant for us was we had to pick up all the heavy stuff. Uh, and, and other than that, dad kind of did it, did it himself and, and with mom's support, obviously. Um, but, but he's introverted in a kind of similar way to, to grandma in some sense that like, you know, you don't air problems, um, or air grievances and that kind of thing. You kind of keep it in, which is not necessarily, you know, the right thing to do. And I think a a psychologist (laughs) would probably suggest that's probably not Mm -hmm. a good thing. Um, but what it does do is it makes people comfortable around you and makes you not the center and lets kind of people live their lives and our, our, 
even with grandma there and, and dad's health issues and mom working full time, like, you know, they created an environment where we were able to really kind of fully enjoy ourselves and experience our youth and, and do all those things without really a whole lot of burden. Um, and then the repayment is to be a tight family unit. And obviously when they needed stuff, we were there and, you know, very present for taking care of grandma and, you know, just kind of a very cohesive family unit. And I, that was probably the best thing we could do for, for dad specifically. I mean, they always say it's, you know, you know, your, your kind of family network and, you know, feeling of worth and involvement is like one of the better medicines for, for, for tough health situations. So, you know, I think we, you know, we, we definitely stick together and are very involved in each other's lives and probably do more family activity as a percentage of time than, than most American families for sure. Hey ladies, I need to interrupt for just a second to share about the sisterhood membership. It's basically a sale every day. And the best part it's free. Here's the details. We're partnering with our friends at Benefit Hub and other care partners to save you money. With over 200,000 participating companies across the U.S. and abroad, you'll find discounts at your favorite local stores, huge savings on vacations, amazing deals on home, auto, and supplemental insurances, and everything in between. Go to confessionsofareluctantcaregiver.com to sign up and then definitely tell your friends about it. They can join too. Trust me, there's a discount for everyone. And don't forget, it's free. Okay, back to confessing. Ladies, I I found a really interesting study about caregivers when I started my journey with mom caregiving that um, the men that are caregivers are actually hate to say this, ladies, but better caregivers than women are. They're more empathetic, helpful. And honestly, I saw that in my boys too. Um, They were extremely helpful with my mom and just anticipating her needs, just not saying very much, but just kind of like helping throughout the day without her prompting or anything like that. Um, Was either one of you, Chris or Anthony, do you feel like the other one, maybe that's a little bit more their avenue of expertise or it just came naturally or was it both of you all? I think it came pretty naturally to us. Um, like obviously like mom and dad are both excellent. Like they were excellent parents right? growing up. Like there was a lot of love in the house. Um, so I just think because of that, it kind of came pretty naturally to us. Um, Mm -hmm. and to that point, I think like when dealing with grandma, there might also be an extra element of like, it's our grandmother versus mom's mom. Like, I think there might be some added Mm -hmm. frustration with mom when you're dealing with maybe your own mother. So for us, like we were like, we're just a little bit, we're more patient with, (laughs) with grandma than, than mom is. I think dad is Mm -hmm. as well. And I think that helps out a lot with the caregiving aspect where mom gets frustrated Mm -hmm. sometimes. And and it is, it is extremely frustrating. So I understand, but at the same time, when you talk about like men versus women, it's interesting that the study says that because in our house, I think that might be the case with the maybe the, the invitations variables. No, not to say that yeah. mom isn't an excellent caregiver because she is, but yeah, those two variables in particular, I think that that is interesting. Yeah. And there's like an interesting cross yeah. role kind of feature there as well because yeah, we're probably the more patient ones and more able to make grandma comfortable and and that kind of aspect to it. Um, but where we don't participate and where kind of mom and then also dad really drive the the bus is, you know, working with the senior home and, and with Medicare and all that stuff. And, and mom's kind of the butt kicker in that sense. Yeah. And like, she'll, <laughs> she'll kick their butt and she'll kick grandma's butt. Um, you know, she'll tell grandma, you know, all the stuff she should be doing, like, you know, forcing her to get out of the house, forcing her to exercise and stuff. And, and these are good things. You need to kind of be 
forced and prodded, especially when, you know, your, your inclination might be to, you know, lean back, sit down, do nothing. Um, mm-hmm. So I think we all kind of fulfill slightly different roles in, in how we energize and engage grandma yeah. and, and kind of all the, all the other aspects to, to healthcare that are less fun, like paperwork and all that rubbish. So you said something about <laughs> roles, which is interesting because Emily has, when we talk about our roles, like I'm the big finance, I do all that kind of organization. Those are kind of, we all have areas of expertise. Natalie's the insurance fighter. Like she will go I am your mother. the doctor <laughs> and she's your mother. And then Emily is really just, and we always say it's because she has kids, but she has that caregiving role. So we all know our strengths. With the two of you guys, do you feel like one had more of a strength that do you guys, did you kind of segment duties? Did you be like, okay, if you'll do this, I can do this better. Did you, did you find yourselves putting yourselves in roles? As a family, for sure. Between mm-hmm. Anthony and me, I'd say probably less so. Um, mm-hmm. Cause we did a, a lot of the same stuff. And from a physicality perspective, we were the best at, getting her to walk and move around. And, yeah. and to your point, Natalie, that's a friggin' heavy wheelchair. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, so, so we were definitely the manual labor and, and kind of more of the, the grandchildren, you know, relationship aspect. Um, but as a, as a unit, we definitely have fairly defined roles in, you know, yeah. in terms of, you know, who engages with the senior home, who engages with, 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 you know, paperwork and attorney and all that kind of stuff. Um, but Anthony and I both got pretty good at, the feeding, the moving, the putting to bed, getting up, bathroom, you know, all the, all the kind of day-to-day interaction stuff we're, we're pretty proficient in at this point. But I hear you almost (laughs) be dismissive about it. And I'm like, did you just hear everything that you do, Chris, Anthony, like everything you've done? Mm -hmm. It's a lot. (laughs) Oh, it's a full-time job. I mean, we wouldn't, it, it wouldn't work without all four of us. That's for sure. Um, and then it really, you know, it, it makes sense why, you know, we have a neglect issue in this country with, with the elderly, because, you know, it's, it's, it is hard. It is hard to have time to do everything. Um, and there's no doubt that it takes a, a fairly substantial portion of each one of our time to make that work. So you guys went to college. You chose to go to college close by. Now, mind you, I went four hours away because I had to be far enough away that my mother couldn't drop in on me, but um, close enough I wanted to get home to see my friends. And so, (laughs) but you guys, was that intentional? Was it like for you guys like, oh, I love this college. I didn't think about the fact that my family is, it's it's close by, or was that a determining factor in, I'm going to choose this college because one, it fits what my needs, but it also fits my family needs. Yeah, I mean, I I think, Probably not at a um, at like a particularly thoughtful level, but mm-hmm. we we both applied to mostly schools close by, um, and I think it was less so for logistical reasons, and more so because we do have very very strong roots in the Northeast, both friends and family, and you know caregiving, etc. Um, so I think there was uh, an implicit sort of belief or understanding that being close by, all of the things equal, is better. Um, and we, we both came home a lot during college. And I mean, we were staggered and this is like, we were four years apart. So I, we, we were not both in college at the same time at any right. time. So one of us was always home. Um, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a rule, like you need to be close to be able to take care of grandma. Our parents are very independent and sufficient when we're gone, which is often because we, you know, we do a lot of trips and a lot of stuff with friends and have lived other places. And our parents have borne the brunt of that responsibility in a pretty incredible way. Um, but as a family unit, I think being close by is just like inherently 
expected and, and desired. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So Anthony, you're there for a portion of time. You're younger, but you're by yourself. I mean, Ooh, how did that go? Yeah, I know. Mm. <laughs> Because we left Emily by herself for a while too. So I didn't feel will, bad though. I'm not gonna lie to you. She will call you later to Zero talk about that. guilt. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's uh and and even then too, like where I'm at currently is a 40 minute drive to home or a 45 minute train ride. So it is like still very close. And I try yeah. to come home two, three times a month. Um, so like and and to Chris's point as well, like when we were going away to college, like I love the Northeast. We love New Jersey. And I think like we've always kind of viewed, or at least for myself, like I want to raise a family in this area and like work in New York or work in the greater New York city area. So going to school made sense as well. And now that I am working in the city, I don't know how Chris does it, but uh, commuting an hour 45 each way wasn't really in my cards. <laughs> um, hmm. So I, I decided to move out. So I'm a lot closer to where I work. And, but as I mentioned, like it was never a problem. Like it was never like really a conversation. Like mom wanted me to move out and, and, and you know, kind of experience that as well. Cause I lived in Jersey city for a few years and did the same thing as well. Um, and now it's back home. Um, but like I mentioned, it's, it's, great because the train is there in 40 minutes like i'm literally heading to the movies tonight with my family uh i'm going home for that so it, it's something very easy that we do all the time i love that you're going to the movies i, I want to well, know what you're going to want uh, that's what i wanted to know are you guys going to see barbie of course. oh Chris, you're, you're going to watch oppenheimer oh, oh i thought he was going to see barbie yeah. i gotta toss I that out was, there Chris. i thought they were oh, doing no. barbenheimer we, 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 so. we do both want to see barbie full disclosure we want to see barbie but absolutely Bar- oppenheimer. you're every girl's dream at this moment <laughs> But, but make no mistake, Oppenheimer is is much more important. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Dad's got absolutely. the physicist g- genes in him, so uh, so we're looking forward to seeing that as a family. It should be That's a great time. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Fun. So tell me, you know, there's something that we saw when we were there, and you talk mm. about going home. So you, I know that you guys made the tough decision at some point. And I'm not sure if it was as a family, but I I think it probably was that it was time for your mom, your grandmother to go into a skilled facility that she was probably going to need more care. But how does that that work now? Is she because you guys bring Dolores home like we were there and she was having dinner with us and everything. Tell me how that works, but also why you feel like that's important. Yeah, for sure. So um, we we do. We bring her home at least four times a week, I'd say, um, from the home. Uh, and, and maybe just to backstep a minute, the, the need for the home. So this was a pretty intense debate in our family around sending her to the home. I am very anti-senior homes. Um, I completely understand why they exist. And I completely understand that for a lot of people, there's really no other option. Um, you know, families are distant in terms of geography, uh, are busy in terms of work, um, it's very hard, as we talked about earlier, to have time to care give. Um, so, you know, the senior home fulfills a necessary function. Um, but I just don't like them. <laughs> I don't like them at all. Uh, and I think, you know, all these old people basically sit in these places all freaking day with no one they know. Um, and it's just, I don't personally think it's a great way to live. Um, so having said that, it's of course necessary. I think it's a different dynamic with grandma because she really doesn't speak. She cannot get up and move on her own. She was already an introvert antisocial prior to. So there's really no form of engaging activity that can really be done for her in a place like that. Versus, you know, there's plenty of healthier folks in homes um, mm-hmm. who probably do establish, you know, 
networks and friends in a, in a social environment. And it's probably a much healthier experience for them. So uh, fully cognizant, every situation is different. Um, but really what it came down to is with Anthony and I both out of the house, done with college, full-time working, um, just the physicality of caring for grandma was just challenging. Um, dad with his health issues, mom with her full-time work as well. Um, and, you know, it really is basic stuff. It's, it's how do you do the bathroom? Um, and stuff like that is something that, you know, the home can fulfill that function. Um, so, you know, all of her bathing, all of her, you know, feeding, et cetera, can be done there. Um, but you know, we, my personal opinion, I think we've, we've probably seen it in practice as well is that she spends too much time there. Uh, you start to see the degradation, kind of the lack of engagement, lack of, you know, living. Um, so my parents have prioritized getting her home a lot. Um, because she obviously has a, you know, a much more comfortable and, and familial experience at home. Um, and we see it when she, when we bring her home, she definitely kind of lights up a little bit more and then is more engaged and gets some fresh air. It's the other thing about those places, the windows don't open, which utterly blows my mind. Um, <laughs> but, uh, just stuff like that. Um, so I think the happy medium we've reached is that, you know, financially Medicare is a big part of that. Um, cause these places are expensive. Um, so, you know, we've, we kind of found a financial solution to have her at the house, uh, at the home, excuse me. And then for us, it's the ability to bring her home and remain engaged with her and active with her, you know, is, is also important. Um, but it's tricky. I'm sure for every family, I know the senior home stuff is, uh, is a tough decision and, uh, a difficult path to navigate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, he hit, mm-hmm. he hit the nail on the head. Like, I definitely think it was like a really intense like conversation and debate when we were going into this decision. Um, like Chris, as he already mentioned, he was like definitely like I think the most against putting her into the home from the family perspective. Um, and it's just because like he was still home, so I think you know he can definitely help out with all those physical things. And as we already touched on, the home is really difficult, especially for her. Like when we go and we visit her, it's really tough to see her in that environment because what Chris already referenced. She's not moving. She's not interacting with anyone. She's not meeting any new friends. Um, And like we do, unfortunately, we've seen that like degradation of health, um, even with her being in there for, you know, the last, what is it now, Chris, like a year and a half. Is that right? Two years now? Around there. Um, And and which is really sad. and, And I think like that's been very difficult to live with. Um, But at the same time, it's also like Chris already mentioned too, it became it to the point where like basic daily functions we weren't able to provide with ease. Like it was very limiting to what mom, dad, or Chris and I were able to do um, with our own lives, um, which made it really difficult. Um, with like Chris mentioned, just basic things like she can't even eat on her own. So like, you know, someone needs to sit there and feed her every single little bite. Right. And, you know, going to the bathroom, you know, anything at all. Um, so it it was, it, it was the right decision, I think. And it's, we're so lucky and it's great that we're able to get her out of there as often as we are. Um, because I think it would be a very different situation if she was in there seven days a week, all day long. Um, I don't even know if she'd still be with us. Cause I think like it really is a, a very important piece to get her out and then to have that interaction and have that mental stimulus. I, I totally agree. And, and she is about 10 to 15 minutes from your all's home. So your mom yeah. and dad see her every day. They take turns going, which is, a huge, that's the one thing that was so interesting to us because JJ and I got to come in and see it as outsiders give, given the privilege to see what it's like um, and to see everything that your mom and dad do. 
And I mean, they're, they're role modeling for you guys. And I, the influence there in itself is it's very interesting to me, but, and, and that, and then the act of bringing uh, Dolores home, she absolutely changes when she comes home. She knows you guys, whether she's, whether she can speak or not, even when she was interacting with JJ and I, the look in her eyes, you can tell what engagement does for an individual. And it it was actually after we left that we talked about having, we, we, we started having paying someone to come in and see her because we're long distance caregivers to have someone come in besides our family three days a week to intentionally do that. See our mom uh, because our family does. Yep. And so that was, yep. it was such a good example to us, but to see how it benefited because your grandmother's 92. Yep. And yeah. So, yeah. She's I'm, I'm thinking Dolores has got a hundred in her without question, just because of her <laughs> there's no, she's as healthy as an ox. Yeah. <laughs> she is. <laughs> and she's a saucy too, because yeah. she is, you know, we talk about nonverbal, but to the extent that she can tell you what she wants. She I mean, sure and does. I feel like, I mean, do you guys feel like it's it's kind of like twins? Emily had twins. I feel like she communicates and you guys have got that, the, you got the two one one as Natalie says on the information and that communication with her. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. It, it is interesting to see, you know, the interaction with someone who's definitely kind of like not fully mentally cognizant, but, mm-hmm. you know, is, is, is still for sure there, mm-hmm. um, who can't speak. It's, you know, it's a challenging level of communication, but you know, that, that's the kind of thing that only, only if family members who have spent much, a lot of time together can understand. Yeah. It's another thing about the mm-hmm. home is that, you know, there's no way they can pick up on the cues or have the instincts and it's not their fault. It's just reality. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, you, you, you just like the, the little mannerisms and the cues are, you know, basically the way you communicate at that point. And, and Natalie, you touched on it too. Like, it doesn't even matter if it's like a family or a loved one. Like, somebody brand new, like her day will get lit up just from like the interaction. And it just shows too, like in, in some of these homes, like they really aren't getting any of that interaction, which is like really unfortunate and, and scary. Um, but for grandma, like when we bring out, like when my girlfriend met her for the first time, like her face lit up, like she'd known Sarah forever. Um, so it's like, there's certain things like, I'm sure she did the same thing with you guys. And of course, when she sees Chris or myself or mom and dad, same interaction, which is great. Um, and it's just so important to get them out and get that stimulus going. Well, no, I have a question because I hear, you know, you guys talking about the nursing homes, the facilities and kind of apprehensions of what that could look like. You guys are young. And I think one of the big issues these days are people are not preparing for this. It's something that I was preaching to my stepkids because they're 35 and 37. I was like, do you have long-term care insurance? Do you have this? Do you have your power of attorneys in place? How do you feel that you've, uh, have you taken these experiences and said, Whoa, we gotta we gotta figure this out now because you just don't know. You've got your dad, and then you've got also Dolores. What, how has that impacted your your present, and then your kind of future? And your planning, your planning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the reality is you're immortal when you're young, so you don't think about this stuff. And oh, that's true. Just, <laughs> that's just it's just flat out true. There's no doubt about it. And I, I yeah. consider myself an extremely long term thinker. I'm a big saver and big student of history and all that kind of stuff. So I I do tend to think and long-term far more than I would say that the average person my age, and even I haven't, you know, planned that stuff. And I think it's just, it's easy for us to say, oh, you know, it won't happen to us or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Cause like, I think one of the, one of the big ironies we all, I think most of us would say, oh yeah, we'll never be in a home. We're, we're going to, 
we're going to die at our own house, right? That's what everybody says. And then mm-hmm. it virtually doesn't happen for anyone because that's just not what re- realistically happens when your health goes down. Having said that, um, Dolores's parents did do that. Really? So we have case precedent of dying in your own home. Um, so <laughs> it's still not a realistic plan, but like, I was not kidding. We were not kidding when we talked about the stubbornness of this family earlier. Um, it's a bunch of immovable objects is basically what our, <laughs> our family is. Um, so I'm still sticking to the die at my own home plan for now. Uh, I'm on the drop dead plane, Chris. Yeah, I'm exactly. Work. I'm just going to work okay until work. I die. Aren't I mean, we you're all? in the right industry. You're at Goldman Sachs. Yeah, I just exactly. assume you're going to drop dead at any moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it is funny because like to your point, I mean, it's, even though I'm a long-term planner, I also do think there's a certain reality to like, there is a, there is a certain level of premature planning. Like you can't really plan it yet because you just, you, you do not know which cancer you're going to get, which brain disease you're going to get this and that, like the, it's impossible. It's flat and impossible. I think you can outline your plan. And I think, you know, both of us are social people. So, uh, when our kids ship us off to the home someday, I think, I think we will, I think we will excel socially and from an engagement perspective. Um, so. But, but you just don't know. You you, yeah. you just don't know what your situation's going to be. Yeah. Um, but I think more broadly, I think one thing that will be true because it's very much been instilled in the generations in this family is a very tight, cohesive family unit. Um, and I am sure that we will imbue that in our families eventually as well. Um, so I am confident in that respect. That you know the the caregiving culture very much exists. I mean, we we only briefly touched on it earlier, but but Dolores, when she was younger, she full time took care of both of her parents who lived to be 101 and 97. Yeah, they stayed in their yeah. own home. They bought the home during the Great Depression and had it well into the 2000s up to their death. Um, and so you know, there's 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 a there's a history of that cohesiveness and people not really moving too far away and all that kind of stuff. So I think culturally we'll be in a good place um, as we age, but, but the details, I mean, it's, it's impossible. It's completely impossible to know. Just save all your money and get ready for those (laughs) senior home costs. That's basically (laughs) it. Well, you know, the dating, so I'll put it to you this way, depending if you do make it there and you happen to be single, the, there's more women to men. So I think you, it's like going. Yes, there is. It's, That's it's, right. It's really we digressed. Honestly. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry about that. Sorry, sorry, sorry about, about that. that. I mean, yeah. the, only, yeah. the only reason that's true is because you guys kill us off. Oh, <laughs> Jason would tell you the same thing. <laughs> God bless you. God bless you, Chris. Yeah. So it's, team team Mike would say the same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quietly, very quietly away, far away from Doreen. So Doreen, <laughs> although if your mom heard it, she'd probably be like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the gender life expectancy discrepancy is not biological; it's psychological. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> but, Anthony, do you think that? Okay, so Chris has has given his. Do you think, are you mentally preparing? Are you mentally as well as like, how are you preparing for age? Because you're just 26. I know yeah. in my twenties, I was like, Hey, you're, like I've been like, whatever I'm living forever. Yeah. I, uh, so not particularly, I think, uh, like Chris said, like we kind of feel like we're invincible. Um, yeah. and also I'll add this. I think I take after my mom's side of the family more genetically. So 
I, you know, like I always say to Chris, like I'm expecting to live to 120. Like, I don't know. Like, that's just how I feel about it. Right. Like I've always just kind of felt that way. So like, I'm not really looking forward forward. I'm not looking forward to that. Like I'm not having that, you know, mindset, but I will say like what I've thought about more so throughout this has been like taking care of our parents. I was going to ask. Right. So yeah, like, I think that that's something that has now come into my mind quite a bit. Um, and like, we'll see like, you know, what challenges arise with, with that, you know, situation. But I mean, just based on, and Chris touched on too, like family has always been very important for generations now when it comes to the Marquettis and Shifanos. So like, you know, I'm fully prepared to you know, take on the responsibility of taking care of our parents the same way they've done with grandma and the same way grandma did with their parents. And I think that's something that, you know, Chris would probably uh, say the same as well. Did they have they have you guys had a discussion about that in the family? Like we over know what the dinner your, table, what your dad, like, what are your parents? Dad, dad, dad always dad always says like put me in a home and just like don't like live your life is what dad always says. That's exa- but, and that's like, what he yeah. said to us. Yeah, yeah, because it, it is quite a burden, right? There's no doubt about it. But I mean, you know, we would never do that, being who we are and you know what we've come from. Uh, and you know, my mom, I think is quite literally the opposite. Like you know, like I, we, they, she's you know they both sacrificed so much for us and. um like, I think my mom is always kind of saying like, hey, yeah, like when I get to that point, like I expect you guys to do the same and that's fine because we'll be there. <laughs> oh, I love that. So, okay. So here's the interesting, but so Anthony, I know that you've been dating, you know, Sarah for a little bit. And so have you had this conversation with her? Cause I know you guys are a touch more serious. And so then just, you know, cash. And so have you had this? I mean, she clearly sees what your family does, right? Um, is she all like, yeah, are, is your mom moving in with us? Because I mean, she, I can see. So here's the thing we're also Team Mike, and I could see her being like, Team Mike's fine, but Team Doreen. <laughs> like, pump the brakes on that one. No. Yeah, so, yeah. she all like, I'll take your dad. I mean, because I know for us, we would have been like, dude, dad can come with us, live with us anytime. But I was like, Emily, turn around, don't drown. Mom's coming to live with you. <laughs> it's, uh, and I think, you know, this speaks a lot about you know, how great Sarah is. So first and foremost, she is a nurse. Um, Mm. So she's in the healthcare industry. And I think that that is like a a big, you know, big part here and a big variable. Um, Just like having that. She was a NICU nurse uh, start. Now she's doing like a dermatology clinic and and we'll see where kind of that career leads her. But like, there's a certain mentality that comes with that profession. Right. Which I think it just makes her more open to these kinds of conversations and then knowing that that's kind of possible. Like when there was a a weekend where we had to kind of be home and watch after the dog and and grandma and the rest of the family was out. So Sarah came with me, it was just the two of us. And one day I was working, Sarah went to the senior home on her own and just spent the day with my grandma. Right. Like, so there's certain things that she does, which I think says a lot. Um, And I think it's, you know, an expectation that, yeah, that could be a possibility. And with her family as well, like I'm fully open to that might be a possibility with hers too. So um, I think it goes both ways. Yeah, I like that. And Chris, I'm assuming that's Mm -hmm. a part of the dating profile of 400 things that they have to qualify (laughs) for. Exactly, exactly. Well, and and then I think, yeah, I I know the focus of the podcast is really on personal experience. Yeah. Um, But this question especially, I think, is a much broader socioeconomic question because the way I think about it is I don't think we're people are going to have a choice whether their parents live with them I think it's going to be reality because yeah. housing is a larger portion of income cost than any other time in American history we're living longer and so you need more saved for retirement the cost of caregiving for your children so we can take the opposite when they're you know we haven't talked about babies and stuff yet um, but third party expense to take care of them 
is immeasurably expensive and often out of scope for people. So I think there's just a certain reality that you, your parents are going to be a more involved part of your life because they're going to be caring for their grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Americans are going to be able to have three different generations of houses in the family um, the way the way pricing and, and the way time is spent nowadays. Yeah. So I, I think it's less of a choice, frankly. Um, yeah. And then for us, I mean, there's absolutely no no doubt in my mind that I will be living in proximity um, to them both because we will have to do some caregiving uh, and also because we're not going to get better meatballs anywhere else. Tell you right now, I'm all about that. The uh, food truck, because Anthony Chris told us about the food truck, nor yeah. bocce ball. Someday. You got to have enough people to have a competitive team for bocce ball. They, they're the <laughs> never played bocce ball before. And, Absolutely. and they have a, a, a Almost, it is a half the size of regulation, but it was so much fun. <laughs> it yeah. is, it's a, it's very fun. <laughs> we are it's so coming fun. back to New Jersey for that game. I'm telling you right now. So, <laughs> Anthony, you better get Sarah ready because it's girls against guys, and she's yes. going to one on be on this side. Yeah, she played for the first time this year, and uh, she's pretty damn good. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a strong person to have on your team. It's a good one in, the, in your corner there. Uh, yes, like yes. We'll bring Emily, but we just don't know about her bocce ball skill set yet. So we'll have to work on that. <laughs> We're gonna have to. Practice. I always love to learn something new. Yeah. <laughs> Ma- Mom will cut you loose pretty quickly if you don't perform. So yeah, I mean, again, okay. Yeah, you, you'll like Doreen a lot, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, you know, wow. I'll, I'll say this, you guys are not what I expected and exactly what I expected knowing your parents. And I think you've, I think, uh, I really, I know we're not to the end yet, but I really hope that other folks your age. And then I really hope our older folks who listen in are more mature folks who listen, um, feel hopeful from statements, because if we had folks like you, the, in in your generation, thinking about this and being mindful about this, and you know what I mean, like spreading the word. Like you are the you are the next generation. You are leading the charge of change, and that's exactly what we need. I mean, JJ is going to turn fifty <laughs> on Saturday, <laughs> and I'm forty seven. Emily's forty five, but. We need people right behind us who are advocating just as hard to say we've got to have different things. And I think you guys are the very much the voice. And, and so that's what we love about your generation and why we really wanted to have folks your age from your generation on to say, hey, this is important to us too. And yeah, I don't, I don't have any questions, Anthony. I don't think your kids are going to put you in a nursing home because honestly, the <laughs> it's lead by example. And they'll follow, they'll follow your all's example. So, you know what though, the best part is time for sister questions. <laughs> it is the time you guys have been nervously been waiting for. <laughs> I don't think they'll be that bad. I oh, mean, I, think, I don't know. Yeah. Watch Emily. Emily's like, I'll be good. She's the mom. I'll be good. I've got boys of my own. <laughs> God bless. You guys would like them too. I'm like, oh, you guys would like them a lot. So, um, Emmy, do you want to start the questions? I will. And I'll ask it to either one of you can answer it. Um, can you tell us of like a very, just hilariously fun time that you had with your, with Dolores, um, that you both just still crack up to this day. Like, I can't believe that happened. Yeah. So I, so it's, it's not one moment, but, um, the, oh, this, this is, <laughs> this is so not mom, the mom style at all, but that side of the family are prolific farters. 
perfectly yes. fine. And, and I, and <laughs> like, that sounds like a silly thing to say, but, but like, I mean, this is, this is true. And in just a crazy way, they just, it's unbelievable. Their proficiency for farting is remarkable. Uh, Dolores is, there's two, two identical stories. Dolores's dad was in his nineties, Frank. We had a family photo with all of us. Uh, and he had no hearing by the end, no, you know, spatial awareness, whatever. And we're all in a group about to take this photo and he just farted. And I don't even think he knew that he did. And he couldn't hear. Could see, and we all started cracking up. And there, this, this photo exists as a photo of mom, all three of her brothers, all of the kids across Dolores and her parents. So it's a large photo and everybody is, you know, ear to ear cracking up. Um, Except for Frank, because he didn't even know he did it. Uh, and then, uh, and, and I'm sure Dolores was a little bit mortified, and now she pretty much does the exact same. Thing. <laughs> Anthony, Love do you have it. a favorite? Love it. That that is like a, a heck of a story there, and it's like that probably is like top notch um, from that. Um, yeah, no, nothing really too you know outside of that. That's probably like the funniest yeah. one I can think of as well. Uh, <laughs> Okay, yeah, I stole the thunder on that, but that is the known family story. <laughs> oh, gotcha. gotcha. Okay, Jay, what do you have? I'm going to ask a very important question. Who do you feel like is the favorite? Oh, <laughs> I'll just say it's Chris. I think uh, there, so this this actually I'll go I'll go back to my previous or, or our other grandmother as well. Grandma Emily and tell a funny story there. Uh, I think it kind of kind of <laughs> captures this one as well. But uh, so. In our family, I'm, I'm kind of known as the other boy between all the cousins. And so my grandma, when one of our neighbors came over one time, when one of our neighbors came over, it was me, Chris, and our two cousins on that side. And the neighbor came in and my grandmother went, oh, you know, Paul and Andrew and Chris and uh, the other boy. <laughs> and uh, and that, that was kind of, all right, cool. Thanks, grandma. Like, sounds good. Um, but it's kind of like it, with grandma Dolores, um, no, I, and, and she loves both of us, right? No doubt about it. But I think there's something Chris does that really makes her face light up. I know, Natalie, before you kind of referenced that as well. Um, it's something special. Like, her face will light up with all kinds of engagement. But I think yeah. with Chris, it's just different than anybody else in the family and really anyone else in the world. Um, yeah, so it's Chris. I, I still I, wait, 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 even I, even with your mom and dad. With your mom and dad, we're going yeah. we're going lower. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, so, with like everybody, yeah, like oh, sorry, with mom and dad. You're so with mom and dad, who is the favorite? Because I'm oh. going to tell you, I am not the favorite of our family. My mom, oh, with clearly mom and dad. Has a favorite. Yeah, have you guys? I, is it split? I was, I was the favorite growing up because uh-huh. Anthony was the much more significant troublemaker. And oh, we didn't have to screen, we didn't have to screen my report cards. Oh. But <laughs> but I think it's evolved because Sarah is great and Anthony's doing all kinds of really cool stuff now. So okay, I think, okay. Uh, I think I think the tables have turned a little bit. Oh. Uh, but growing up, yeah, it was probably me. But it's okay. Yeah, yeah we laugh about that. Who's the? It favorite. was just based so that's on just our funny joke. <laughs> they didn't love me more. They just didn't. They didn't have to worry about me as much. That's, that's true. That's, that's the true. the favorite's not who you love more. It's who you worry about less. I kept them up at night a little bit more. So I think yeah. that was uh, yeah. that was probably why. <laughs> that's the oldest child thing, Chris. My mom. They didn't have to worry about me. I was I was perfect basically. I that's think right. I just that's right. That out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but these younger siblings. These younger siblings also owe us a lot more thank you than they realize because we took the brunt of all that attention 
focus yeah. and anxiety and let them go live their lives once the parents had less energy to care. That's right. So, uh, so, so <laughs> we, we, we walked so that you could fly. I'm going to disagree on this. Oh, thank I, you. I, of course. I'm going to disagree on this. Cause you know, like in our household, Chris, like he, Chris is extremely intelligent. Like he never had less than like an A plus on a single report card throughout like college. And for me, like, I don't know, school just wasn't as much of my strong suit. So I would come home and mom and dad would rip me a new one. So it was always <laughs> like, you know what, like, Chris, you know, certain care. things, yeah, that might be the case. You know, I might have gotten away with a little bit more on the social aspect. But when yeah, it came to school, bit. I was wearing the belt, man. It was like so much tougher. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to tell you like, what the key is, Anthony. signatures or anything. Yeah, it's tougher. The, the key to that is just have the grandkids first. I'm telling That's you. That's what I was getting you. ready to say. Whoever <laughs> is the parent with the grandkids. Okay, what? so oh, I've got 60 okay. seconds. Okay, go. Chris, go. the last two, and both of you have to answer. What is your favorite guilty pleasure? brownies like our, our brownies are just like we'll just demolish it's always food in this family so yeah. oh, <laughs> you know what and that's the one thing your dad didn't make for us we're coming back to new jersey we heard about the brownies okay yeah. so yeah. i can verify it's not a bs answer i heard about the brownies we, <laughs> that's the only thing for the love of god we did not eat chris <laughs> what is yours for me on the food side it's definitely the oreos uh and then lots of guilty pleasure movies oh, oh yes, yes. love right. a good sappy love a good sappy movie but you won't hear it from me Oh, uh, I love it. Then your thing. So guys, I, I, I am running out, but I'm going to tell you right now, this has been so much fun. I, I can't thank you guys enough for coming on and sharing your story. Um, it's just, you guys are awesome. And, and you have, you know what, you're a product of your parents and your grandparents and their grandparents. So this is what really family looks like. And so a family of care and love, and I love it. So guys, thanks so much for listening in. We appreciate you. And until the next time when we confess again, thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Well, friends, that's a wrap on this week's confession. Thank you so much for listening in. But before you go, please take a moment to leave us a review and tell your friends about the Confessions Show. Don't forget, visit our website to sign up for our newsletter and connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, and Twitter. You'll also find the video recording of all of our episodes on the Confessions website and our YouTube channel. We'll see you next Tuesday when we come together to confess again. Till then, take care of you. Okay, let's talk disclaimers. We are not medical professionals and are not providing any medical advice. If you have any medical questions, we recommend that you talk to a medical professional of your choice. As always, my sisters and I at Confessions of a Reluctant Caregiver have taken care in selecting the speakers, but the opinions of our speakers are theirs alone. The views and opinions stated in this show are solely those of the contributors and not necessarily those of our distributors or hosting company. This show is copyrighted and no part can be reproduced without the expressed written consent of the Sisterhood of Care, LLC. Thank you for listening to the Confessions of a Reluctant Caregiver show.